This is what we're talking about, relationships. We're in the middle of this series, relationships, and this may be the last one because I'm, I'm nudging to move forward, but we're going to talk about friendship. And friendship, last week we talked about relationship, and your relationship with God is the most important thing in life. And if you don't have a good relationship with God, you're not going to have a good relationship with other people. And if you don't let God heal your hurts, you're going to walk around being hurt and hurting people. If you don't let God get the ugly out of you, you're going to be ugly. And God wants to get the ugly out of us so we can be kind and we can be loving. And it's not that we're not going to compromise the Word of God. We're going to, we're going to take our stand on the Word of God with a smile on our face because we know you know what? It's okay to be right. I don't have to argue with you when I'm right. I'm right. The Word of God says it's right. And then I, hey, I love you, but it's what God said. Okay, so that's, what we're, that's where we're going, but I want to talk a little bit about friendship. I want to, uh, uh, if you get your, anybody need sermon notes, wave at me. Lights are bright up here. I can't see. If you want sermon notes, we have them. And if you don't, that's okay. Get your phone out and make some notes. Write it on a piece of paper, however you do. We don't care, but, you know, we're talking about relationships. We had a men's event last night. Uh, we had a chili cook-off, and you missed it. You know, we had, uh, we had five contestants, and it was all good. You know that we had brisket in some chili, and it was good. We had alligator in some chili. Ooh, y'all bunch of high mountain people. You eat anything when you live on the coast. And it was good. We had chili with, with uh, unsweetened chocolate and peanut butter in it, and you didn't even know it, and it was good. What? Yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to judge, because everybody would have won, because I enjoyed every last bite of everything. I'm like, woo-wee. That's good. But Charles Schillinger—I can't say it. Skillinger—I won't say Schlesinger, but it's Skellinger. Come on, stand to your feet. Give him a hand clap. He happened to win. Well, why are you advertising that, Pastor Brett? Because next women's event, I'm going to be advertising that because we need relationship. We need men relationship, women relationship. We need marriage in our relationships to be strong. We need to be. Guess what? If you're married to that woman or that man, you need to be friends. It really helps when you're friends with your spouse. Okay. Just saying, you know. And so friendship is a foundation. That's number one. Friendship is a foundation for everything, even marriage. But let me read the, the foundation of Scripture. In John 15, 14, Jesus said this, and I want to talk a little bit. He says, um, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Let's go a little bit deep just for a second. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Covenant, New Covenant. Friend is a covenant term. I always talking about, you know, when we take communion, it says do this in remembrance of me. Remember is a covenant term. To remember what Jesus has done at Calvary. That he was nailed to a cross. That that crown of thorns, that, that we put that crown of thorns on his head. And we nailed him to that cross. We need to remember. But we also need to know that friend, friendship is a covenant term. 
that we're friends with Jesus. Woo-wee. Now, if I don't stir your soup, the spoon fell out on the floor somewhere in the lobby. Or maybe at the house. But you need to be excited that you can be a friend with God. That you can be a friend with Jesus. That you can know him and have a relationship with him. And so I'm going to try to settle down here and, and read some of these things. But friendship, number or A, friendship is a foundation. It's a cornerstone for everything or every kind of relationship. And it doesn't mean every relationship is identical to friendship, but it's a starting point. Do you know that you can have one best friend, three close friends, nine pretty close friends, but you can, you can maintain a relationship with 150 people. Most of you know over, no, didn't say friends, but most of you know over 300 people. And those 300 people, you can have influence in their life with the kingdom of God. 300 people. But if you walk around and never speak to anybody, what kind of influence are you having? None. So in James 2.23... Put it on the screen for us. And the scripture was fulfilled saying, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted for him righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Abraham and God cut covenant. Matter of fact, Abraham sat there. He cut the animals in half and he watched Jesus and God walk through that. Through the blood and the guts. They cut a covenant and Abraham became the friend of God. Jesus died on the cross. It was his covenant between him and God, and we the benefactors. Covenant, last will and testament. It is finished. I release all the blessing to them. The Holy Spirit was poured out. Come on, we're the benefactors of the blessing. We're the friends. Hey, we've been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb because we're close friends. Hey, I might even get to do this. I might even get to do the wedding ceremony. Now, we're close friends. That went right out the door, didn't it? Somebody, God's going to do the wedding ceremony. We're close friends is why we're invited. Close friends. Man, we, we get to sit in the family section. Come on, the family of the brides on one side, the grooms on the other. We're in the family section. We're not just friends, we're family. Come on, this, this is how strong this is, and, and it's how it needs to bleed over into every relationship in your life. Now, I'm going back to be ye kind to one another. If you can do that, you're a winner. So, so Abraham was called a friend of God. You know, there are normal relationships. There are dysfunctional relationships, but this is what I'm talking about here is a spiritual supernatural relationship that you can have with God, that you are a friend with God. Woo! That you are a friend with Jesus. We're talking supernatural spiritual relationship that God wants you to have. Close relationship with him. Yeah, we're going to talk about friends in the world and friends all over, but come on, we got we to gotta get this one. And you know, last Sunday we talked about the main relationships with you and God, but it bleeds over into everything. And so uh, people are, are, are trying to have relationships just to help through the storm. They look for relationships and friendship like, let's see, 
who can I pick that might can help me one day? Instead of what can I bring to the relationship? Oh, they, they got money. I'm going to get close to them. You know, they can tell. You know who the best reader of friends are? Are kids. Kids can read you like a book. And even youth, you think they're just sitting back there chewing gum and, and whatever. They're paying attention. They hear everything goes on and they know who's fake and who's real. And you do too. And so my, my point is, come on, be real in a friendship. Don't look always for somebody who's going to be able to help you down the road. How about you helping somebody else down the road? And, and so, uh, we, we, so friendship is a foundation uh, for every relationship and parenting. How about at work? Whether you're a boss, whether you're working for a boss, how about, how about your family? Oh, Lord, family. You got to be friends with your family? Yeah. You got to love your family. You got to be friends with them. You know, some of them, some of them, you, you know, some of your cousins you may not be friends with. I'm just let that sit there a minute. But you got to love them. You know, there's, you know, I'm not saying, listen, let's go back. I said, you got one best friend. You got three close friends. And you got 150 people that you can have a solid relationship with. And maybe your cousins aren't one of those 150. That's okay. You wave at them. You're still kind to them. You still, and you know what? You need to pray for them. I'm trying to help you out here. We're talking about relationships, and, you know, we, we get kind of bent out of shape. So it helps with our parenting. It helps with work. If you're strong and you know uh, how to be a good friend, uh, it can help you with every uh, relationship in life. How about if you were going to be in ministry? You got to be somebody's friend. You got to be friends to people. It'll help you. How about with romance and intimacy? It's best to be friends. The world's going to say, oh, yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do. That, uh, I got, I got, roll through this. Number two, or B, B on your sheet. B is friendship is a fun part of life. And if it's not a fun part of life, there's something wrong with you, not them. We'll talk about being, we're going, we'll talk about being toxic and having toxic relationships in just for a minute. So just stay with me. But friendship is supposed to be fun. And I know some of y'all like me sometimes. You, you, don't, you know, sometimes you love your spouse, but you just don't like them at the moment. Let that sit there for a minute. You know, close your mouth there. The youth are like, what? Because they get on your last nerve. Your kids can get on your last nerve. Your mama can get on your last nerve. Your daddy can get on your last nerve. People can get on because you're exhausted. You're tired. You're weary. Huh? And then you get the feeling like, well, I'm getting taken advantage of. But it's all about you. You need to back up, reevaluate. But friendship is supposed to be fun. God designed relationships. God designed friendships. God created you to be his, in his family and to be his friend. That's why you were created. We started that, that all, everything God created was for his glory and for his pleasure. Come on, say this with me. I was created for God's pleasure. 
He, you know what that means? He's excited to be around you. He's excited to have you a part of the family. He's excited that you're, you're in church. He's excited that you have a relationship with him. And you know what? There was a song uh, back in the day Lionel Harris wrote that God sang, I miss my time with you, our moments together. I need to be with you each day. And it hurts me when you say I'm too busy. Lord, I'm too busy. God wants a relationship with you. And, and how strong your relationships are with other people is how strong God is with you. Because, you know, last Sunday we talked about don't be manipulative. Don't be trying to manipulate somebody. You, you ever seen somebody, uh, I had a friend that's supposed to be in ministry way further down the road where he is, but every time he wanted to step out, his wife would cry. And he'd go, okay, baby, I'm not. I'm not. She would manipulate with tears. You ever seen kids do that? I want a piece of candy. No, not candy. We're back to eat lunch. Nah! I've seen men do that. We're not going to do that, woman. Same thing. Wah! Same thing. Same thing. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm picking on everybody today. I'm, I'm preaching to myself, truthfully. But we got to maintain our relationships. We got to be a, if you're going to be friendly, you got to be, you know, if you have friends, you got to be friendly. We'll, get, we'll read that right now or in just a minute. In Ephesians 4.14. God designed relationships, Ephesians 14 through 16, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every uh, joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. As a church, we got to be knit together. We got to be joined together, just like a body. You know, and, and, I, and I use it. God gave me this example years ago, but people say, well, I'm just a little toe in the body of Christ. I'm not important. Let me take a hammer to that little toe on you, and let me see how important it is. I, you ever stub your toe in the middle of the night, and you do that, Dance, you know, because you're hurting, because you every part, when somebody hurts, everybody should hurt. We should care. You know, you, you stub a toe, you hurt a finger, you, you have an earache. How many of y'all ever had an earache and just shut you down? Huh? Yeah. And some of you get hoarse and can't talk and it shuts you down. Just, it's a joke. Okay, it's okay. But my point is, you, 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 you are, we're important to one another. We're supposed to be the body of Christ. We're supposed to. If, I, I'll pray for, I'm not in competition with any church in this town. We're not in, I'll pray for them to grow exceedingly and abundantly. I'll pray for them to, to, to explode. It's, so when I came here 10 years ago, and I still don't think it's changed, there's 29,000 some odd people in Wythe County alone. And I pray for Smith County, Grayson County, Pulaski County. I pray for all five, six counties around us. I declare it Southwest Virginia, revival, awakening in the name of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm not in competition with any other church. Matter of fact, if I hear something going on, I pray for that church. We need that church. 
So there are 14,600 people in the last census said that they go to church. How many of you know that not all of them go to church? I've been with people. I'm a member of that church. And then in the conversation, I hadn't been there in five years. What? You haven't been there in five? Yeah, I went, I went the other day, and they, I, they, nobody spoke to me. That like I didn't, they didn't know me. You ain't been there in five years. But 14,200 people point blank said, we don't go to church. We're going to fit 14,000 people in this church. We're going to have to do seven, eight, nine services. Start Saturday night, go through Sunday night, six or seven a day. We're going to... We, we need to be reaching this community. There are 14,000 people, over 14,000 people that say they don't go to church at all. I'm not saying they're not saved, but come on. Jesus said we need to be praying for harvesters. The harvest is ready. People are hurting. And you have the answer. Not me. You. Well, you're the pastor. Yeah, but you're the sheep, and sheep beget sheep. Go get them. Go get them. There are 14,000 people. Start asking God, who's hungry today, Lord? Is that person hungry walking in the store? Do I need to talk to them or do I need to talk to them? Yeah. Ask God who's hungry. He'll lead you to them. Or they may come up and ask you, hey, do you know Jesus? Can you tell me about him? As this church, this kid, first time he'd ever been there, he's like 17 he walks up to the youth pastor and said, hey, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about this Jesus guy. And he went, uh, 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 he goes, that's all right. I'll get somebody else. Because <laughs> it threw him off guard. He wasn't ready for that question, but he, uh, 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 like that. You know how, how, how horrible it is? Uh, you ever been in a jewelry store? You know, they sell crosses in a jewelry store. Uh, this, this, this person went to the jewelry store, and they said, hey, I want to see some crosses. And so they said, right over here. And the little girl working the counter said, yeah, we have several crosses. We even have some of those crosses with a little man on them. Little man on them? Jesus? We don't know who that is, but the, we got the little cross. Come on, people need Jesus. People need Jesus. That's why we've got to be friendly. That's why we ought to do our part. You may be somebody's miracle, and the greatest miracle is them getting saved. But you may pray for them, and they may get healed, and then they're going to say, hey, tell me about this Jesus that's real that I just met. You may be somebody's miracle. You've got to be friendly. You've got to be open. You've got to be kind. It doesn't mean you're going to make them the, your best friend, but you're going to share Jesus with them. We were designed for relationship. I can't say it enough. It's not just about being lonely or needing somebody. And you don't have to be lonely. You know, you can be totally content with just knowing God. But you're missing out if you don't have relationships with other people. God just didn't create you to have a relationship with him, but also a relationship with other people. Because you might be their miracle or they might be your miracle. We need to hold one another up. We need to pray for one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to have each other's back. So that's my question right now before we go further. Can you receive from somebody else? Can you? Can you receive a blessing? 
So there's some things that I, we're going to, you know, let me say, some people say relationships are my problem. No, they're an opportunity. They're an opportunity to grow. They're an opportunity to change. They're an opportunity for new things. How about greater faith? Because th there's some kids that have greater faith than some of us in here. And we can learn from them. Because they haven't been skewed by hurts and pains that we've walked through in our life that have really, they become a weight. We need to learn, we need to be open to learn from people. To learn from, from the Bible says a child can lead you. And, and to learn and to receive the wisdom of God from some of them. So, five keys to being a better friend. That's the next, that's what we're going to finish. Five keys, but we're going to go deep with some of these just for a little bit. I'm going to show you some things. One, be friendly. We've talked about that. The first key to being a good friend and making friends is to be friendly. Not to suck a life out of people and be a leech. All you do is gripe and complain, and they're running from you. That's why they're not your friend. In Proverbs 18, 24, I quoted it. It said, a man must have, uh, who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Friend is a covenant term. And I use that. I always talk about, you know, people say that blood's thicker than water. You know, me and my daughter, are, we're thicker than, than, than anything. No, no. The Bible's talking about the blood of Jesus. That's not in the Bible, but it's covenant term, and it's talking about the covenant blood is thicker than the womb water you were born in. I choose God over family. Love my family, but God's first. And I'm going to side with Jesus and God, and even no matter what. And sometimes I'm not always right. I think I'm, you know, nobody's doctrine's perfect. But I have, I have taken a stand through the years and had been ridiculed by friends and family because I took a stand on the Word of God. That's all right. God's God. And you know what? He is more important than family. I love my family. I call my mama two or three times a week. But it don't matter. God's God. I talk to God every day, morning and night and all the time. So, so number one is, is, is we need to make God priority, make people priority. And, and you know what? To make people priorities, you think about them at least every now and then. Pray for them. Can't wait to see them. Thinking about that relationship, friendship. You know, if you're going to be a friend, you got to think about what would make them happy. Oh, Lord, what would make them happy? Now, some, a lot of times we're selfish, aren't we? Number two, live in the present. Come on, be thankful who is standing for who is standing in front of you. Be thankful for the family you have right here with you. Be thankful for your children, your grandchildren. Be thankful for your spouse. Don't live in the past. Live in the present. Not the past. We can live in the past and not even give the people right in front of us a chance because of hurt. I, I don't, I, 
past relationships, you've been divorced or whatever. Ladies, you've become, become a man hater, and men, you've become a woman hater. A woman hater. Well, and you don't want to get marriage advice from somebody like that. Just leave them. Just leave them. I don't, if he leaves his socks in the bathroom one more time, leave him. <laughs> leave him. Because they hate men. I wouldn't let that woman tell me that. I tell you what, I wouldn't let that woman do that. Well, she cooked biscuits. Yeah, but I don't know. Only you eat them. Leave her if she cooks biscuits again. Take everything to the extreme. Because they're hurt and bent. They can't live in the presence. Don't take advice from people. You want advice from somebody who's worked through their marriage, who has worked through the struggles, who have walked through it and took God and put God in the right place. And then their marriage became right. Amen? Number three, respect them. You got to respect people. It's time to respect. What do you, what do you mean respect? <clears throat> you need to respect everybody at some level. You know, uh, I think it was Oral Roberts that said, God loves the sinner. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Boy, the religious people just blew up. Ah! Wait a minute. You're a sinner, and God loved you into the kingdom of God? Ah! Yeah. God loves sinners because they're people. That's why I use the example, God hates car wrecks because it hurts people. But God hates sin because it hurts people. He loves people. People are sinners, but Jesus came to wash us in. So God, say, God loves me in spite of me. You know, I like that one saying, somebody said, you know, God saw me and saw that I was stupid and he loved me anyway. Because I have, you know, I told the story last time about us gathering a bull up. You know, that was pretty stupid. We got a bull and the boy said, I'm first. You know, I see some of my grandsons going, I'm first, you know. And, I, and, and, and they got on the bull and the bull, if he, I'd say he went 15 feet straight up. We're standing there with our mouth open. The bull takes off. But I'm telling you, we do things. You got to love people and respect people and, and find out where they're at. And, and, and so finding the, even if it's just 1% you can like about them. Respect people. <laughs> I was watching a documentary on John Wayne. If you're under 30, you don't know, go, go watch a Rio Bravo or something. John Wayne's a cowboy actor. But John Wayne was a politically or far right, way on the far right. And most of Hollywood, if you don't know, is far left. And, and they hated his politics. But when they did a movie with him, they fell in love with him because he respected people. See, respect goes a long way. He didn't care what their politics was. He was looking at the person. God don't care what your politics are. He's looking at you and your heart. He cares about you. That's why I don't preach politics. I'm preaching Jesus. He's the good news. And, but that's an example I, that, that I, you know, they said, man, we had to respect him. I hated the man's politics. But I had to respect him because he was so kind. Kindness. Let's, let's, let's major on the love of God. The love of God. God is love, and the love of God in you will change somebody's heart and life. It'll break down all the walls that they have for Christianity. 
I hate Christians. Why? You, do you even know one? No. But that's what the world is doing. You know, they're tearing down being a Christian. Come on, take a stand. Can we take a stand? And just because I take a stand don't mean I don't love you. I'm taking a stand on the Word of God. And I'm going to respect you. And I'm going to respect your opinion. I'm not going to argue with you. There ain't a sense in arguing with you. I'm just going to tell you what I believe. And you know what? I love you. And in that one part, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, any religion. Because if they follow Jesus, then they're on our side. Here's the thing. You can see it. John the Baptist was the first one to baptize. Y'all know that? It was in the Bible recorded that he was baptizing people. Guess what? Jesus had his disciples. After he got baptized, it wasn't three or four months later, he had his disciples baptizing people. What did John the Baptist's disciples do? <gasps> John, John, look over there. Look over there. Hey, y'all, look over there. there. Jesus is baptizing people. Trying to bring friction. And John goes, he must increase and I must decrease. Even Jesus. Those people over there casting out the devil, Jesus. He goes, well, they're for us then. They're on our side. Yay. But the disciples, well, it's not. They're not our group. They're not Baptist. They're not Presbyterian. They're not going to heaven, the same heaven we are. We have a Baptist heaven and they're going to the Presbyterian heaven. Baloney. How does our religion, that's how religion will do you. The Assemblies of God are in the back. Church of God over there. Presbyterians in the middle. Better be watching. Person that you don't like, maybe your neighbor. If you're prejudiced, you know, the Chinese may be right on one side, you know. Quit it. Quit it. You know what color God is? The closest color to God is green. Come on, top to bottom. The, the, the glory in heaven is, it talks about being green, okay? It's, I'm just throwing that out there. Get rid of all that trash. Get, get, get rid of that religious thinking. We're going to be in heaven. Hey, and you know, if you don't like new songs, I'm sorry, but in heaven we're going to sing a new song. Come on. It's going to be a new song. And we're all going to know it. And we're all going to sing it. I can get back here. <laughs> I love talking about heaven. So respect him. How about number four, lay down your life. What? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Missionaries lay down their lives. They go to Southeast Asia, Africa. They'll go somewhere where they are not supposed to be tolerated, and they go anyway. They're laying down their life because God sent them for a mission. Somebody was talking about somebody flew to Africa and only one person got saved, and they said, oh, Lord, was it worth it? He goes, what's the cost of a human life? It's worth it. It's worth it for one. I, I, you know, in the 1800s, in, in the Welsh revival before it started, there was a pastor that quit his church and took one young man and discipled him. And that man started the Welsh revival. He poured into that young man and that young man with his talents and gifts and abilities, but with the wisdom of this pastor had, he started the Welsh revival. People said, you're nuts. You're leaving your church. What's the matter with you? You're crazy. But he laid down his life. He laid down his goals and poured into that young man. And that young man reached thousands 
upon thousands, upon thousands, because it, it swept America as well. The principle of laying down his life for his friends, the principle is that you give up something that you want for the good of something else, someone, somebody else. That's the greatest form of love, that you give up your time for somebody else. You give up your food for somebody else. You give up. But I'm going to tell you, when you give up, God's watching, and God repays. Come on. Life's not about what getting what we want. So let me ask you, is there any sacrifice on your part about being a friend, or is it everything about what you can give me? See, it's a two-way street. It's relationship. You know, oh, oh, me and Becky, we agree, we agree, we agree. Oh, we disagree. Forget you. Huh? That's not, that's not friendship, is it? Huh? We can agree to disagree, still be friends. Come on. You may like Texas, you know, football team, but you know what? We, we, we can put up with it. I don't even know if he's in here, but I'm making fun of somebody. Oh. So, in the Bible, in 1 Samuel 18, you write it down if you want to, go read the story. David had just killed Goliath. And they said, who is that young man? And they went and got him. They brought him before Saul. And Saul said, tell me a little bit more about yourself. And he said, my dad is Jesse. And I've raised, you know, I was the shepherd boy and this and that and the other. And I've done this and that and the other. And, and Jonathan's standing there. The king's son, Jonathan, is standing there listening to David talk. And when they were through, Jonathan's heart was knitted to David. And they became friends. And they even made a covenant. And the Holy Spirit reminded me, you see, David was a shepherd boy. How does he know to be king? He was anointed king glug, 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 by Samuel as a ruddy kid, good-looking kid, but just, you know, all his brothers thought he was a punk. You're just a baby of the family. Shut up, boy. Get to back to the sheep. But Samuel anointed him king. He's not ready to be king. But Jonathan looked at David and said, wow, this... this they were knitted. You know, I've seen people and, you know, God just put me together with some people. And I don't agree with their doctrine, but I'm friends with them. And they exchanged clothes. Jonathan gave him weapons. They changed clothes. Jonathan was making him his brother. That's how legally David could become king. He was Jonathan's brother. They were so knitted together. They were so close together that Jonathan helped David escape. Let me just cut to the chase. When Jonathan was killed and David was brought into the, to the palace, everybody grabbed up everything that was Saul's and ran because David, you know, in the world, and we're not talking about worldly friendship. We're talking about that God will knit you together with people. Like this church, you can be knitted here. But they ran and a woman fell with Jonathan's son, and his name was Mephibosheth. Yeah, spell that one for me and don't, don't name your grandkids that. But, but she fell, and it broke his back, and he was a cripple his whole life because they were afraid David's going to kill everybody. David had been established king, and David said, 
He started thinking of his life and how he had got to where he was at. And he goes, where are Jonathan's family? Is there, is there anybody left? Is there anybody's left that I can show the love of God, show my love to them, to show Jonathan's love? We're talking about this is covenant. This is what God, is there anybody there? And they went and found him, and he said, well, you brought me up here to kill me. I'm just a cripple anyway. You're just going to kill me. He goes, no, you're going to sit at my table. I'm going to restore your lands. I'm going to restore your houses. I'm going to restore your money, and you're going to sit at the king's table, and you're going to be a man of honor, and I honor you. Come on, that's what God's called us to do is to honor one another. Let's go to the last one. Number five is communicate. We need to communicate. We need to learn to communicate. Did y'all see Patrick look at me? I know he's mad at me. I know there's something up. And so I, I can't stand him now. I can't stand him because he just, look at that look. He's, he's trying to give me an ugly look, but he's too pretty. But isn't that the way we act? We hear something somebody thought somebody said, and now I'm mad at them. Instead of, hey, hey, are you okay? Are me and you okay? We're good. All right. Now, I just spent a whole lot of time thinking that we're not right, and I'm mad at him now, and I ain't speak. You know, I'm going to tell, I told this before, but I had, let's see, my grandmother had 10 brothers, and they hated each other for the most part. Mainly because they was all alcoholics. But for three years, two brothers never spoke because of a plastic bucket, five-gallon bucket. Yeah, rid of me that one, Batman. If I'd have known it, I went and bought them a five-gallon bucket, okay? I, I would have got that bucket back, but they wouldn't talk to each other. Well, he took that five-gallon bucket. He never returned it. Well, I mean, if it was a power saw worth $600, I might be a little bit better, but still... Communicate. Are you good? Are we good? Are you mad at me? Can we talk about it? Because you know what? I really appreciate you. I, I need you in my life. Uh, it's one of the keys of friendship is communication, learning how to talk to people. You know, there's a different way to communicate to a child and to a youth, to an adult, to an elder. Respect your elders. Come on, I have elders. Children, community, learn how to communicate. You know, can you lead an eight-year-old to Jesus? Can you lead a, an 80-year-old to Jesus? You ever thought about it? Maybe your grandparents are getting elder. You need to go witness to them. You need to go know that you know that you know that they're a child of God. I set my grandfather down, and I said, well, come on, we, we're going to talk. It's just me and you here. I love you with all my heart, but I need to know that you know Jesus. Yeah, I accepted him. I said, well, then good. You're going to pray with me anyway. I didn't say it like that, but I'm no, in my heart, we're going to pray this thing through. And I'm going to, you're going to pray the sinner's prayer with me, and I'm going to know that I know when I stand at your funeral, at your casket, and I sing and whatever I'm going to say, that I know that you're a child of God. Come on. The greatest gift, that, that, it was the greatest gift to give him, but he was already saved. But it was a great gift for me. You talking about comfort. Don't communicate. Don't, don't, don't wait. Just go on and communicate and talk to people. And, and, and then, you know, how you communicate, it's not about you. And, and learn about the context of people and, you know, go after them. Love them. 
the power, I'm going to back up the power of love. I just got a few minutes here. We're not in a rush. Three o'clock comes early. So this week I was just kind of reading and uh, there's a movie out that came out and uh, Unplanned it's called. And it's the story of Abby Johnson. She was the youngest Planned Parenthood abortion clinic. Uh, she, she was the youngest to be a, a, a clinic director. And so the, the clinic that she worked at, people were standing out and they were protesting abortion. And you had the people who were dressed up like the Grim Reaper and had the big, you know, and, and they're yelling and, ah, and then people holding up signs of aborted babies and you going to hell doing that. You'll, I don't care how good, how much good you do, you'll never make it into heaven because of all the evil you've done. They had that crowd. But then they had this crowd that learned her name. Amy, Amy, we're praying for you. They stood at the fence. We're praying for you, Amy. We love you. We care about you. And she would go up to them and yell at the people that dressed up doing. And she walked up to this couple and said, aren't they crazy? And they go, yeah, we think they're crazy too. But we're praying for you, Amy. We love you. Jesus loves you. And it began to weigh on her. See, her mama had prayed for her. Her mama had gave her scriptures, you know. But she wanted to, you know, the power of choice and all get caught up in all this stuff. But these people saw her. They saw her, not what she was doing but her. And people say, well, there's no forgiveness for somebody like that. Paul killed Christians. The apostle Paul who wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament killed Christians. Come on, there is hope. We don't want those kind of people in here. Yes, we do. How are, they not going to, how are they going to get saved if we don't bring them in here? If we don't point them because God loves people, even she had two abortions and God healed her and God loved her. And so she went and they called her in to do an abortion. She watched that little boy chase run from that machine, run from that thing, trying to kill it. And she said, oh my goodness. And she goes, I can't do this anymore. And guess who she called? That couple, that husband and wife, and got a hold of them and said, come and talk to me and pray with me and help me. She didn't call the guy dressed up like the Grim Reaper, telling her she was, she was going to hell. She called somebody showing them the love of God. That's what friendship does. That's why we see what Jesus, you know, listen, there's no condemnation. If you've had an abortion, we love you. And there is forgiveness and God loves you and God cares about you. But I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm showing you how the love of God works. I tell the story of my youth girl. Her parents said, you're not going to that church. They, they speak in tongues and they all this and that. And she's 13. But when she was 18, she became a stripper and a dancer broke my heart. I ran into her in a big function and she was dressed up like a stripper and chaps and all this and she came up and hugged my neck in front of everybody. God and everybody. But all I could do was try to keep from crying because it broke my heart. It was like my, one of my daughters. My daughter's coming up to me. And I said, and then I ran into her again and, and, and she was a hostess at a thing and I'd seen where she'd been in jail for drugs and alcohol and I said how you doing come on you got two kids don't you when you gonna come back to church when you gonna bring those kids to church and let us teach them about Jesus when you gonna come to church somebody said well do we want people like that yes we do yes we do God loves them just as much as he loves us 
And that's why we have got to love people into the kingdom of God. We can't be judgmental. Because it is, when you turn judgmental, guess what? I may have one people, I got three pointing at me. For what measure you judge will be measured back to you. We're not, we, we've got to pray for people to change and, be, and bring the love of God. The love of God is the glory of God and the power of God to change somebody. We can love people right into the kingdom of God. Woo! So, so the bottom line is God is interested in people. And if he's interested in people and we're in Christ, then we should be interested in people. We should be interested in people. And that, that's, that's why, you know, as long with our women's group or men's group and every life group, is we need to be about getting people saved, about bringing people into the kingdom of God. God cares for people. I'm going to land this airplane. Yeah, we need boundaries. Some people are toxic. Real quick. You ever met anybody toxic? Listen, uh, Andrew Womack was talking about the church he pastored, and this guy had come out of a crazy colony of people, and he'd been living in the cave. Remember the guy in the cave last Sunday? And he came, and he's this and that, and just telling people stuff. And he goes, I'm quitting this church. These people are toxic. He goes, no, brother, you're toxic. You're chewing people out because they don't eat the skin on a baked potato. You're chewing people out because they're wearing shoes, and they ought to be wearing sandals or going barefooted. He goes, you can't chew people out for stuff like that. That's your conviction. You're the one that's toxic. If you ever take marriage on the rock, there was a lady came to the pastor's wife and she goes, my mother's so negative. She's negative about this and negative about that. And the pastor's wife goes, do you realize you're just like your mother? <gasps> no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because who you hang out with, you start acting like. And that guy was toxic. Yeah, but somebody has to communicate to everybody in love and say, hey, don't be so negative. Don't be so toxic. Learn to change. Learn to hope. Uh, learn and, and, and start pouring into people and show them how to live. Listen, I'm standing on the shoulders of people who I have followed and been close to. I, I am who I am because of them, not just me. I kept myself, for the most part, I kept myself through my life because I respect the men of God who have poured into me. But ultimately, it's God that I stand before. But guess what? You can be that person that encourages somebody to take a stand for Jesus. You got to learn to be that person. God's calling you to step up to be that person. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord God, that, that we can be a friend with you. So if you're here today and you don't feel like you're saved, you don't feel like you're a friend with God, you know, that's how you become a friend with God is you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if that's you today and you, you have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Is that you? Maybe you're in here today and you got saved a long time ago, but you've, you haven't been living for God and you're going to come back. You're, going, you're like the prodigal son. Say, I'm coming back. You know what? He's been looking for you and waiting for you to come back. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you. Now, here's, here's the challenge of the sermon. Can you be a friend? Can you be a, the friend that leads people to Jesus? Can you be the friend that's a light? People recognize 
that, that friend that you're a friend of God, and you don't even have to tell them about Jesus. They'll come and ask you, be ready. Be that kind of friend. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for the word of God, the truth of God, that God loves us, that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus just for us. Thank you, Father, for revelation knowledge, for understanding, for peace and joy and strength in lives today. Draw us close, closer than ever before. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.